I'm Garrett. I'm John. We recording? Oh, we are. Shit. Okay. My bad. <laughs> I was like looking at <laughs> that whole thing was a fake intro. Welcome to another episode of Hidden Doors and High Scores, podcast where four dudes talk about games. I'm Austin. I'm Garrett. I'm John. And I'm Chris. And today we're talking about Gloomhaven, the digital version, although I think we're going to talk about kind of all the versions and how they compare to themselves. Gloomhaven is a campaign-based tactical dungeon crawler. It was a tabletop board game by Asmodine. Uh, Cephalofair is the game. Cephalofair. Sure. Okay. It came out, what, two or three years ago now at this point, the, the, the actual like tabletop board game. And you play as a group of mercenaries trying to make ends meet in the town of Gloomhaven. And it's like a, it's a legacy game. So like the way you interact with things changes, you know, your, your options in the game. And it changes the world. And there's, you know, a whole campaign that you're supposed to go through and save the world and all this stuff. And you get all these new characters and they do different power-ups and we started playing the board game a long time ago and have really loved it ever since and now there's a digital version of it you guys started that game in 2020 early 2020 2019 yeah like pre-covid like 2019 or early 2020 it was was pre-covid when you guys first bought that game and i came i came home and saw that massive box yeah the box massive massive hundreds if not thousands of pieces to it and all these decks of cards and it's like bigger than a pc like bigger than a tower box it's how much is the board game uh, i think it's 120 bucks msrp damn yeah it's it's a oh the box weighs 40 pounds i mean it's yeah. 100 percent. We, we all we all chipped in for like these like third party organizing trays to get everything back in the box once you like take all the stuff out of the bags and and all that stuff because like just chucking it back in there would have been nightmarish yeah so right so right it. now on Goo- on amazon it's 154.99 oh wow does that include jaws of the lion though nope that is just the base game yeah she's very expensive uh board game uh, it is, I think the closest thing it's to is, honestly, it's closest to a Dungeons & Dragons campaign. It's just no one has to DM. Like, Isaac Childress, I think is his name. He He's the creator of this game. And he basically decided to create this whole world, create all these characters, create this combat system and this level-up system and this all this stuff for this board game, and essentially made what feels like a D&D campaign but he has just already plotted out all of the different paths you can take and things you can do. So I guess it's a little bit like choose your own adventure. Like you find out that there's this merchant and she's planning to take over the town. And it's like, well, do you want to side with her or do you want to fight against her with the town guard? And the way you do that will open up new paths and new scenarios and give you access to different equipment and different events that happen in the city. It's, uh, it's really cool. I, I feel like this game, though, is much more railroad track, more than Dungeons and Dragons. It's not as open-ended, which is what I really like about it. Yeah, this is mostly a tactics game. This is a turn-based yeah. tactics game. Actually, if you like stuff like XCOM, turn-based tactical battles, this is 
the best. It is the best version of that, mm-hmm. I think. Super structured D&D thing is how I've always thought of Gloomhaven. And it's a little railroady because you only ever have two options in, ter- like, in those like major story things. But the cool part about it is the the legacy aspect, right? That like whatever those choices are, like have real consequences and affect the choices that you can make farther down the line. And I love that aspect of it. Like there's a reputation mechanic. Your crew can like get reputation and that opens new items in the shop and characters will interact with your crew differently or like offer you different things. But also you can like choose to be really bad and that will make people afraid of you. And sometimes that's beneficial because they won't try to mess with you. Yeah, that's the thing that I really enjoyed about just the like the meta aspect of this game. You have your what your town event. Yeah, your city events and your road events. And some of those things are like you open up the opportunity to go to this location, which you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. That's what I was going to say is like some of the things are like, oh, you find this mysterious orb. And then later on in another event, it'll be like the orb is leading you somewhere. Do you follow it? And you'll get access to a whole side scenario that you can't get any other way. Right. So yeah, Austin and I started playing this game, like the actual tabletop board game several years ago. That got interrupted by the COVID pandemic. And then we started a, somebody digitalized it on tabletop simulator. Now that worked okay for us, I guess, because we weren't, we didn't really have any other option. We were dedicated and we had a lot of time on our hands. Yeah, we exactly. Started. And we played, that is how we started with, we started completely, completely started over, had two different people from the original two people that we had started playing with. And we played through literally the entire campaign on tabletop simulator and it took all of the first 10 seconds of playing the new, like, officially licensed digital version for me to be like, this is the superior way to play this game. It was, uh, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. The scripting, like, everything just happening automatically, it keeping track of everything for you. And Gloomhaven is inaccessible, the, t- the tabletop game, because of all the moving parts, and you have to keep, you have to, like, keep track of all the monsters health and move all the monsters and decide what their movements are going to be and where they're going to move and why and who they're going to attack and all that stuff. And it took hours and hours and hours for us to finish scenarios that should not have taken that long because of like quibbling over rules and having to look up the FAQ and like having to remind ourselves what all the priorities are and all this shit. And the digital version just does it for you. And it's incredible. Yeah, how long would you say it takes us to do a scenario on the digital? Oh, dude, we can power through one in like an hour and a half to two hours. Hour and a half to two hours, I think is pretty normal. In person, including setup time with the real game, it's probably three and a half to four. And I think TTS, maybe three, yeah. three and a half. Like it's not much different. So yeah, this is a long game anyway you slice it, but cutting it from almost four hours to like less than two hours is a it's great. huge improvement. And just the fact that you're not arguing about rules questions and trying yep. to figure out like, okay, well, does he attack this? Because that's an obstacle and that's a trap. So does he walk over the trap or does he not like, Oh God, there's just so much, so many little rules, nuances in the game that are difficult to work out. And the digital game just does it all for you. All right, look, before we before we start getting too deep into this kind of stuff, go back to the developer. Yeah, let's talk about who designed all these wonderful scripting. Flaming Foul Studio. It's just a small 14-employee 
studio all from lionhead they made fable classic rpg yeah that also kind of dealt with like being able to take different paths and having yeah. different endings and stuff which is kind of cool so i could see how these guys like that appealed to them designing something like this i guess the only other thing we could say would be that the developer of this game after such wide success decided he wanted to make a sequel and he put it on kickstarter I, you're talking about isaac the guy who designed it so yeah. the designer, he put a Kickstarter out there for a game called Frosthaven. His pledge was he wanted to hit $500,000. His total pledge he hit was $12,969,608. Um, so let's just say the game is very popular and I a mean, lot listen, of people loved it. Gloomhaven is a really good game. It's a fucking it great game. Yeah. Right. yeah. We haven't really talked about this on the show. Let me Let me share this like. I ran a board game store for like a year and a half after college. I love board games. I'm obsessed with board games. As much as I am a video gamer, I'm a big board gamer. I own a couple hundred board games. I legitimately think that Gloomhaven is the greatest board game ever made. Like when Frosthaven went on Kickstarter, I backed it day of. And clearly I was not the only one who felt like (laughs) that was the right thing to do. So you could still pre-order the game right now? I guess he, he's planning on a, a Q1 2023 for re- release on it. The pre-order of it is still $250. Oh, my God. <laughs> Even though he, he he made so much off his Kickstarter, he still wants. And I'm sure there's plenty of people who will pay that $250, no questions asked. I, I 100% believe it. And if playing it like the tabletop game was the only way to play it, I would probably pay that. Yeah. But now having seen how good the digital version is agreed i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait and play the digital version because it just the quality of the quality of life is just so much better yeah i would i would say there's only a couple hiccups and they're really minor it's like when you make a mistake you have to restart the entire round instead of just doing undoing that mistake yeah that is a like ui ux thing that they they really should fix because that's really easy to do in the board game. You're like, oh, I, I switched my cards around. Or I or just picking where you want to move to. Yeah. yeah. Or trying to angle angle attacks, like trying to get the right angle of qu- like quadrants. Yeah. But again, restarting the whole turn doesn't take as long as setting up, doing all the stuff you have to do with the board game. It's not that bad. Yeah, so there are some growing pains when you first start using the digital version. Just what, like how to angle things and like, certain times just like not knowing exactly what the game is asking you when it's like confirm action you think that would be simple but a lot of times like a single card that you play as a character might have multiple parts to it and it's sometimes a little bit unclear exactly what you're doing so there's definitely some a learning curve to playing the game but it's nowhere near the learning curve of of the board game or the tabletop simulator which has basically no scripting and also we should say this game is hard when you first start playing it, like yep. the first two scenarios are really, really hard as level one. Yeah, here. they kick you, they <laughs> kick you in the butt and they show you the game mm-hmm. is not to be taken lightly. You have to be extremely tactical on your first two missions when you're still trying to figure out how to play the game. Right. Yeah, you and don't understand the tactics and you have to just have intimate knowledge of them to succeed in those missions. Yeah, it, I think it's actually one of the biggest, maybe the only failing of this game, like generally as as it's constructed, 
is I think the first two scenarios are literally the hardest two scenarios in the whole game, other than maybe Hero or Hive, but like I was gonna is, say <laughs> that's designed for you to be extremely geared out and leveled up and know what you're doing. So I will just say, like, if you're really if you're having difficulty when you first start playing this game, I actually encourage you just turn the difficulty down a level yeah. for your first two missions. And then once you get past those, you can go back to normal and it'll still be like a good game and well also we're in a weird situation on our playthrough where we have two guys we just retired in this game you can retire a character and get a brand new character at level one we just retired two of our characters and now we have no tanks just a bunch of squishies so i'm sure it's going to be hard for a little bit for us now that happened to us too you know like it got to a point where we were also comfortable with like the mechanics of the game that like that stuff ends up not really mattering that much you know like we had a point where where we ended up with a bunch of squishies. Some of them were so good at healing that it didn't matter. And the other ones were like, like I was playing. Oh, uh, no, no spoiler character names. You gotta yeah, say what the say, box don't, looks Yeah, like. don't give that. I was playing Cthulhu. And even though all of us had like less than 10 health, basically to start with, it didn't really matter because that one character like didn't do any damage at all, but would like, prevent damage from being from happening to the whole team and so like being squishy is not a problem after like the first two scenarios your party composition doesn't seem to matter that much as long as you adjust your tactics if you're a bunch of squishies you need to kite enemies and stay at range use like the terrain to your advantage so that they have to come the long way around an obstacle or whatever like right you got to get a little more clever but you can make it work Speaking of characters, there's 17 playable characters throughout the game. Yeah. And starting it's what, five six. or six? Six. Six. Yeah, six characters to start. So there's 11 more to unlock as you yeah. go. So essentially the, the way the game works, the way you get access to more characters, when you start a character, they, they have a quest. They have a reason that they're an adventurer, right? They, they have a goal that they are trying to meet in the world. When they finish doing whatever that is, and it'll tell you, you know, you have to, you know, kill three boss monsters or whatever it is. When they finish that goal, they have no more reason to go risk their lives hanging out in dreary dungeons full of monsters. They retire from adventuring, and when they do, you will unlock a new kind of character, a new character class. And again, I I don't know how many times I'm going to say it in this episode, but amazing props to Isaac Childress. He created a dazzling array of these 17 different characters everyone feels totally different to play everyone has an entirely different deck of abilities and level ups and things that are available to them they're awesome yeah getting to go into their deck and see what all their abilities are and then like especially like when you start at level one and you just look at the level nine cards to see like oh my god i'm gonna be able to do this eventually like it's fun it's the best part about an rpg is like seeing what your character become and then watching them become that is like it's so cool well especially too because like the way that leveling up and choosing new abilities in this game works is that when you level up you are given a choice of two cards to pick and so there are like generally two different builds that each class can become and there are synergies with different level cards and so like sometimes you know you're you really want to take you know, this level three card because it interacts really well with this level five card, even though it might not be immediately the better thing to do when you reach level three. 
Exactly. It's kind of like when you're looking, if you're allowed to in an RPG, when you can look down the skill tree and you're like, well, I really don't give a shit about one extra point of armor now, but I really want the ability that, you know, says that I can throw my shield or whatever. You yeah. Know? I'll also say it takes a pretty long time to retire a character. Uh, we started uh, our Gloomhaven session and 45 hours in, I just retired my first character. Well, and it just depends on what those goals are. Like when we first started True. playing our tabletop game, I mean, I retired my first character in eight scenarios. Like it just didn't, oh, wow. you know, that particular goal that I had and the first couple scenarios we we did just happened to set me really far along that path. You know, I was level four or something like that. Oh, wow. Then, he got He got really lucky. Yeah, that was with the scoundrel. Well, but then when we restarted our, our game on Tabletop Simulator and I played the Cragheart to begin with, I was level nine and several extra scenarios after that before I retired him. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? It, that You know, that one probably took me 45, 50 hours to R- retire. R- RNG. <laughs> just yeah, terrible yeah. RNG for that one. Yeah, just certain quests for retirement are just way harder. Than they take longer. So yeah, that all being said, like, the character you pick to begin with, you might be stuck with them for a while. You can actually just quit playing a character at any time and start a new character if you really want, but you won't unlock a new character class. Yeah. And that's what's the fun part of the game. But yeah, I think it's really important that all the characters are really fun and unique because after you've spent so much time in a character, you build them up, you you make cards even better in their deck. They're really fun to play now. You you have to have reason to retire that character and play someone completely new. And that is part of the challenge of the game too, right? Like because yeah, like the monsters keep scaling up with your character levels, and there's like a complicated formula that's like you, I don't even remember what it is. You average everybody's levels together and then average them and divide by two or some shit like that or whatever it is, and then round up or down something. I truly felt like the easiest times we had playing the game were when everybody was like level seven eight nine because even then like your abilities are so goddamn powerful that (laughs) no matter how good the monsters are that you just you just steamroll every scenario and it only got challenging when somebody would retire and have to restart at level two or three or whatever it was when you you when you lost like a seriously strong component of your team and then had to pick up the slack basically like that's what made part of the game hard i will i will say another thing about this game you know 40 45 hours or whatever to retire a character it might sound like you're getting close to the end of the game at that point uh there are (laughs) over a hundred scenarios in this game 70 of them are kind of on like the main campaign like the core quest trail and then there's like 25 sort of side scenarios that you can get one way or the other take that in a hundred scenarios at two or more hours a scenario this game is going to keep you entertained for a long time I'd say probably 200 hours just based on adding it up. Probably 200 hours. At least. Yeah. I think at least 200 hours. And that's assuming you're not spending a lot of time just like, because 45 hours is actually a little misleading because that's not all like time spent in the campaign. Sometimes you just open Mm. up the merchant uh, and you're just like staring and you've got a bunch of gold burning a hole in your pocket and you're like, oh, do I want the battle axe or do I want the weighted net? Like some of this game will vary based on like, how much analysis paralysis you have and your group has in picking cards and also just how much time you want to spend after the mission debriefing, leveling up your characters, deciding what kind of gear to buy and prepping for the next mission. 
Um, all of that is, is kind of built in. So I honestly, I think 250 hours to finish the campaign is probably about right. Yeah. yeah. And if that's not enough game for you, there's also, I think it's called Guildmaster Mode, in which it basically creates a procedurally generated campaign. Right. On the uh, digital so it version. creates scenarios yeah. in the digital version where you'll just go out and it'll be like, there's a bunch of bandits uh, who ambush you in the road. And then it creates a scenario that you can play through. And then if you do that, it's like, oh, their leader had a map on them and it leads you to this cave. And then the cave's full of wolves or whatever. And you fight through that. So it's just like, it creates random scenarios. So essentially limitless gameplay. Have they, have they digitized Jaws of the Lion yet? Yes, Jaws the Lion is available for this game. It's available as a DLC. I think it's five bucks. So yeah, if that's not enough game for you, there's also TLC. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, actually, I, so I've never played Jaws of the Lion personally, but everyone I've ever talked to who's played it has said it is basically designed, I think it's like a 20 scenario campaign yeah. um, with some new characters. And I have heard it described as an introduction to Gloomhaven. Like it is yeah. the right way was, to start playing. Yeah, it was, it was okay. designed to be kind of like a standalone that people could get into the game with. So that's pretty cool. We should talk about um, like how you play this online because you can play this single player and you can control between two and four characters, but you can also play online with people. So it's pretty simple, but it does have a little bit of a drawback, which is if you're playing the campaign with your friends. So for example, if I start the campaign on my version of the game, then I click like multiplayer, open it up to multiplayer, get a little code, send it to you guys, and everyone can come join my game and control characters and play in the campaign. The problem is, if Chris can't make it one night when we're playing, that's fine. One of us can just control his character if we want to play without him. But if I can't make it one night, yep. the other three guys cannot play without me. The, the campaign is on my copy of Gloomhaven, yeah. uh, which is a little bit unfortunate. Oh, so that's actually not different from the tabletop version because we the box was at your house. So like if you didn't if you couldn't play, then we couldn't get in to get the box. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. Although if I knew I wasn't going to be in town and you guys really wanted to play without me, you could borrow it. Right? That's it's true. true. Yeah. By and large, even with that limitation, it, uh, we've already touched on it. But like the digital version is just it's so good. It is perfectly faithfully implemented everything in the game, and it just makes it so much smoother to play. The graphics yeah. are fucking great. Like the animation, there's like actually animations. On yeah, the moves. it's, it's like pretty badass. Sometimes, like yeah, when your crack heart throws a boulder, it actually shows him picking up a big rock and throwing it at the enemy. Yeah, and it like shatters. It's like wizard's chest, dude. It's it looks so. <laughs> that, that is the best is... comparison I've ever heard. Yep, that's exactly what I was about to say. That is perfect. Wizard's chest, exactly. Yep. Just UI stuff, like the ability to manipulate the board and zoom in, zoom out, and like yeah. turn things around to see, you know, different perspectives, and like, like the way it it organizes the cards on the side, and and it, I love everything about the digital version. I just, it just, they just nailed it. Should we talk about the music? So the, there are two composers listed in the credits. Um, their names are Russ Shaw and Sam Bucknell. Russ Shaw um, came over with, like most of the people in Flaming Fowl, he came over from Lionhead. He was the lead composer on the Fable series, um, as well as some other stuff, but obviously Fable, the most important stuff. Other guys, a guy named Sam Bucknell, and I literally could find no information about him on the internet. 
are we not going to talk about Gloomhaven the band? Oh, oh yeah. My God. <laughs> in research, in researching this, I was trying to find Gloomhaven like the official soundtrack from the game on Spotify. And I found a band called Gloomhaven from New South Wales in Australia. And they have one song on on Spotify. It's called Astral Projection. It's pretty good. Uh, if you like Evanescence. <laughs> we'll play a little snippet right here. Okay. <laughs> it's like they're overproduced Evanescence, I think is what I yeah. said earlier. Yeah. Well, apparently no no connection to the actual game. No, yeah, apparently. Yeah. But anyway, the soundtrack for the digital version of Gloomhaven is Garrett earlier before we started recording called it medieval background music. And I think that was <laughs> the best description of it. Yep. It's just like kind of atmospheric or and orchestral. It's just like strings and like some plucked notes here and there from like a, a lute sounding type of thing a flute a liar a liar maybe (laughs) like there's definitely some violence and cellos going on it's it's really like it's not music that's meant to be paid attention to it's just there so that like the game isn't awkward silence kind of like it seemed it sort of felt to me like they they thought a game had to have music in it it's not bad, like, and it plays really low in the mix of the sound design. So there are, like, sound effects when your characters move and, like, sometimes attack. Some of the moves have, like, crunching sounds or, or punching sounds or whatever. And the background music is really low in the mix. So it's very clearly just, like, it's not an afterthought because it was put in intentionally. But, like, it's not that important to the overall gameplay or my opinion of the game. Definitely not a focal no, point. No, no, yeah. it definitely wasn't. But it's solid and it works. All right, should we uh, should we close it out? Final thoughts? Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, as you may have already picked up on, Gloomhaven is my favorite board game of all time, and this is a very faithful digital implementation. If you are a board game fan and you have been interested in the idea of legacy games or a like an RPG fan, things like D anD D, or if you are a fan of tactical turn-based games like XCOM. I think this game is absolutely incredible. I think it is so worth it. I don't know that I can recommend it if it's just going to be you. I think a lot of the fun of this game comes from playing it with a group. This game is $35 on Steam. If you have a group of friends and you're looking for a weekly game to play together that you can keep going for a long time, you can all just jump on Discord and have a chat, catch up with each other, and play a game. I, I don't know what's better than this. It is absolutely amazing. I love it to death. Cannot recommend it highly enough for $35. But I have incredible news for you people. If you are listening to this episode on the day or two after it comes out, it is currently free on the Epic Games Store. Go download it right now. Uh, it is available until... 29th of September. Yep, so you're going to have to get it soon. You have a couple days. Please go download it and love it. Yeah, I mean, even at full price, $34.99, I completely agree with that. This game is fun with two people. This game is fun with four people. It's the best board game of all time digitized and made more accessible. So 100% try to get it before it stops being free. But even if you miss that, $34, or you can always find sales on it, is a great buy and we'll i'll play with you i'll gladly play with you 
yeah, we, I mean, starting obviously playing it on tabletop simulator, it was fantastic, but them creating the digital version was the home run and it's been so much fun to play. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It's, it's great. And especially if Epic's got it for free, that's ridiculous. Do it, do it now. Why, why aren't you downloading it now? We are not as important as this game. Go download. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I can't say anything that these guys haven't said other than to reiterate. It's fucking incredible. It's the digital version is way cheaper than the tabletop version. Although I kind of do recommend still buying the table. Like tabletop version is 150 bucks, but like it's a lot of pieces. Like it makes this like a lot of that is just material cost. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> But yeah, you you can't get a better digitalization of a board game than this. It's incredible. The price is incredible. The UI, they just made it better in every way. Like One thing we haven't talked about this game is the replayability. The fact that it's a legacy game and then everything changes all the time because people are going to make different decisions. People are going to make play different characters. Like Your reputation is going to be different. Your opportunities or choices are going to be different. Like Yeah, this game is infinitely replayable just go buy it it's a no-brainer actually go download it for free on epic uh okay well i think that's gonna do it for us here at hidden doors and high scores thank you so much for listening until next time i'm austin i'm garrett i'm john and i'm chris you can find us at hdhs gaming on all the social media platforms make sure to check us out on twitch to see what we are playing and talking about come and join us on discord we hang out there every night and we play games we like it when people join in and especially come play Gloomhaven with us because uh, we do that on Discord now and it's great. We should make like a dedicated Discord voice channel or a, a Gloomhaven voice <laughs> Gloomhaven channel. Gloomhaven cool. Discord, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, all those links and a link to the Discord will be in the show notes for this episode. And lastly, if you like this podcast, tell a friend, give us a rating. Both of those things really help us out, move us up, get more visibility, all that stuff. We really appreciate it. Are you forgetting something?